Hey, listeners, we've got lots of new things coming for 2022. But before we did that, I wanted to take a look back at our early episodes and re-release my top 10 picks for the month of December. To be clear, picking my favorite episodes is like picking my favorite child. So I based my decision on three criteria. One, interviews of women who overcame something outside of the regular struggle of running the business. Two, a unique industry that our guests disrupted. And three, guests that were just as much teachers as they were storytellers. I hope you enjoyed these episodes and please be sure to follow us on Instagram. We'll be rolling out our big news throughout December and I wanna make sure our podcast family is in the loop. Our eighth episode in this throwback series is my conversation with Ryan Larson, the founder and CEO of Tin Parade and Savoie Flair Weddings. I included this interview with Ryan to show you how one thriving business can lead to another business opportunity. As a wedding planner, Ryan knew how to elevate large scale events but she became interested in creating products to help us elevate events at home. In this episode, Ryan shares the challenges of communicating high concept products to buyers and talks about how she cleverly overcame that as she grew Tin Parade. She shares the difficulty in starting up in an industry that's unfamiliar and offers tips that will help you stand out at trade shows in particular. If you are at all interested in producing products, wholesaling products, and selling at trade shows, this is a must listen. Ryan will definitely bring the goods. Enjoy the show. Thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Liberty listeners, welcome back for another episode of Liberty Sessions. I am so excited to have you guys with me in the room right now with Ryan Larson. Not only is Ryan the awesome founder of Tin Parade, but she's a dear friend. And these are always really special interviews for me. Ryan, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, We're excited to have you. So why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about Tin Parade? What do you do? Well, we design party goods, gift items, home decor, and I have to get that sentence right because this year we went through a rebrand. Oh, nice. So if you would ask me that last year, I would have said we design party goods. Only. (laughs) Only. Only. So has it made a difference now that you've articulated sort of differently what you do? Yeah. And I call it a mini rebrand, but, um, you know, I was kind of in a little box as a designer and I realized I needed to branch out of that box, but have it make sense with the brand, which is not easy. I'm still yeah. in process of figuring that out. But yeah, we um, we produce, you know, I, I, I like to say high quality goods, mm-hmm. things that you will not throw away after one time use, which I just brilliant good about. Yeah. Um, but I think our goal has always been that they're also items that you would keep around year to year and bring out for special occasions. And um, I love that they can become traditions in people's homes. I And um I love to think about people using them from for years to come. 
What are some of the items? So for those of us who aren't on tinparade.com right now, not that they won't be by yes. the end of this interview, <laughs> but what are some of the items that you create? Well, our first baby was the table banner. Mm -hmm. And so we launched with the table banner four years, I, and I think five months ago, but who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, <laughs> um, and the table banner, it took off. And, yeah. and I didn't expect it to really take off that well. Um, I thought I would kind of inch along and figure things out. And it was one of these things where it was like, boom, you need to know what you're doing right away. <laughs> well, it's so unique. So again, for those who are listening, because we're not a, a, sh an, a show where you can see yet, yet, one day, Liberty. Um, but a table banner was essentially a tablecloth or a runner that had some sort of decoration design. It yeah. could say happy birthday with a birthday right. cake. And they a were great graphic. Really beautiful design. Thank you. And yeah. actually, you know, these are all, you know, lessons learned. I don't know if I would do this now, but I did at the time because I was so, and I am so concerned and, and I take quality very seriously. Um, I ended up milling my own fabric. <laughs> Of course you did. It's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm jumping into this world. I'm going to go ahead and mill my own fabric. Because Why did you do that? I did that because I kept getting all these samples sent to me, mm -hmm. and I didn't think it was great. I wanted it to be for the life, the type of lifestyle that I live because I mm -hmm. figured if, if, if it works for my crazy lifestyle, it's going to work for everyone out there. I, I needed it to go into the washer and go into the dryer like, mm -hmm. um, and not be wrinkled. I'm not going to iron it. <laughs> Amen. And so it had to be this perfect blend of poly cotton so that it really, and also it wouldn't hold a stain as easily, you know, and I had a stain treatment put on it. Sure. And so I took all this time to get the fabric right. And, um, and so you can say that it, you know, I will say that it's a very high quality product and, and it is. You know, having said that, I don't know if I would actually mill my own fabric. Maybe there was another one of those samples that would have been okay. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a high quality textile, and it's um, they're all white to begin with, mm -hmm. um, and they're 32 inches wide by 74 long. It's never been done before. It is kind of a high concept, um, which is great and not great. We'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but uh, it hangs down the front of your party's buffet table. Mm -hmm. So whenever I would have salespeople in booths, I'd always say, "This is your most important sentence." It hangs down the front of your party's buffet table. Uh -huh. um, and so educating the buyer and, you know, so that they got it quickly. And we tried to make the packaging so that they got it quickly because people would go, is that a runner? Nope, not a runner. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> and no, I just it's fine. And not just a tablecloth, not a runner. It's a table banner. <laughs> okay. Okay. I totally get why that's a big deal because I remember when I first saw them, I was like, I haven't seen anything like this. And I can imagine a scenario in which every year I would pull this out for Thanksgiving. Yes. I would pull it out for birthdays, um, anniversaries, whatever it was. I loved that it was sort of instant decor without being streamers from Party City exactly. or whatever. Thank it, you. It yes. elevated that. Yeah. And a lot of our, you know, I will say party goods out there, they're either the Party City stuff um, or they're, you know, you're going to kill yourself on Pinterest, right? Yes. But if you really want something that's kind of higher quality and just a little more sophisticated, mm -hmm. I mean, I really feel like our goods are more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard to find that middle ground. And so I feel like that's our little spot that we... So you said you started out with table banners. Yes. Tell me where you are now in terms so of product So we went offering. from... So we had the table banners and then we offered cake banners that matched our table banners that stick into your cake. And that's a whole other thing because I had to produce wood. So I went from textile to wood. Again, don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm, I've got wood and I've got 
tech, you know, the testing, yeah. the testing, the testing. Oh my goodness! Um, and so we went from from that product to um, one that didn't didn't do well. It actually does well on Zulily now, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just a funny. Thing that I sell so many of them on Zulily, but uh, it didn't do that well in the um, in the uh, shows. But our um, garland stands mm-hmm. because I, I always it kills me when people scotch tape garlands to their walls. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I was solving a problem, and you could have your garland hanging across your table, you know, a couple feet up, and it just really makes your table come alive. Um, and I love them, um, but it was one of those things again that's high concept. Yeah. And so when people got it, they go, "Oh my gosh, what a good idea!" And then. Other people go, what are those? <laughs> so there was a lot of what are those? And and you know, to to my fault, I never really solved the problem of the the POS, that that point of sale issue, which is, you know, how do they know quickly what that is? Right. Um, because so, it's hard to see in the packaging. So now you have to get the buyers to make sure they're yeah, and the photo on the packaging up. wasn't enough. And 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 yeah, exactly. Okay. So those are one of the million lessons I've learned along the way. Um, but yeah, so we had the the garland stands, and then uh, from there, so and we have other things too, like some really fabulous garlands um, that, um, like we have these frame garlands that I love, um, and you can hang. Uh, pictures at your parties mm-hmm. because uh, well, first of all, people need to print pictures more. Don't yes, you think? I agree. Please actually. get them out of yeah. your phone. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I love going to like a little kid's party and you see them all their pictures. Yeah. It's fun. And I had done it for my daughter's first birthday and I had made these frames as a garland and I had it in her room and she's eight and I've had it there. It's still there. She loves it. It's her. She loves it. Sure. And so I was in her room one year and I was like. You know, like a year ago, and I was like, "Why am I not making those for Tin Parade?" And half yeah. the stuff I've done is because you, I, or you did it, or you wanted it, or, or yeah, I did it for me myself, a kids' party at my, you know, at our home, or a client for events or something like that. So, so you've been okay. So you just said the keyword about a client. So yes. our listeners don't necessarily know yes. that Tin Parade is a second business right. that you run and operate, and that you have a, another business. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. So I so sixteen years. Years ago, I launched Savoir Flair Weddings mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, and I I don't just work in Los Angeles, but mostly mm-hmm. um, kind of go all over wherever. If I must go to Maui, I will go. Okay, you know, it's I, good. I mean, you're flexible that I, way. I'm flexible. Yeah, <laughs> this is the kind of gal you are, <laughs> right? Um, but so I've done such fabulous weddings. It's been so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the way, you know, I started to kind of itch for something different, design wise. I wanted to kind of branch out and. Uh, I I wasn't really looking to start a different business, mm-hmm. but I just am always, always, always aware that I need to express myself creatively. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be in a business, but I just was around this moment of my life, you know, a number of years ago thinking, I need to find a creative, another creative outlet. Yeah. <laughs> I need many of them, actually. Um, and my husband had said at the time, like, you know, you design all these one-offs for weddings and you do all these, you know, things that you have made for one wedding. Right. You should actually design things that you could sell mil- a million times over. Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, what a concept. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good idea. Um, so hence, you know, Tin Parade came. I had, n- I really wasn't going to, I wasn't looking to start a new business, but it just, it did make sense. And when he said that, I started to mull that over more and it made perfect sense. And I, it was definitely a creative outlet. I had no idea what I was getting into. None. N- not at all. Literally, I had no idea what I was Which getting into. Which is actually, I think, what makes, and will make the second half of this interview in particular, so brilliant. Because I think when listeners hear stories, they often assume that that person knew what they were doing, right. has some sort of experience. And it's when somebody can say, look, I 
I didn't know what I was yeah. doing. Here's what I did. Here's where I made mistakes. Yeah. And, and the listener can pick up where you left off and not make some of those mistakes right. or at least be warned. Yeah. Um, that's what, that's what makes the good news. So we can cut to the chase here. If I had to do it again, I would. So that's yeah. the good news. Okay. That's, that's the good news of the story, right? Well, I mean, I didn't know what I was getting into, but I would do it again. So, okay. Two things. One, I love your brilliant husband for saying that, for mm -hmm. bringing that up because it, you, you have a built-in audience who's vetted it, who's, who's said, that's beautiful. Right. Oh my goodness. Look at that. Right. Like you get to hear the feedback, which often we don't when yeah. we're creating a product. So in essence, you had these prototypes out, whether you knew they were prototypes or not. And based on the response, you could say, that's something I want to incorporate within 10 Parade. To, to a certain degree. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, I always, <laughs> I always joke that I'm kind of like the mad scientist wedding mm -hmm. designer. <laughs> Is there, is there, that's a great I, show. That's, I think yeah, that that's my term. Show. Yeah, okay. you can use it. Uh, be, because I would do these, I do these design meetings and they're mm -hmm. four hours. Um, and I know that sounds absolutely insane, mm -hmm. but my brides love them. Of course they do. Um, we, we design out your whole wedding together. What yeah. is better, better than yeah. doing it together, you know? Yeah. And so in these meetings where I would become the mad scientist, wedding designer, um, you know, all these ideas come because what's better than brainstorming, Yeah, you know? And About so, your big day. Your big day. Yeah. Of course, yeah. they would have done it all day long if we'd been sure. able to, you sure. know sustain ourselves. It's, you know, it's exhausting, <laughs> but, um, but so much fun. And, and so, so many great ideas would, would come out of those meetings and mm. my, my brain would just start buzzing and just buzz, buzz, buzz with all these ideas. And so then, you know, that's kind of how I would design. And I still, in a sense, do that with Tin Parade, like, but with myself <laughs> and I go to a coffee shop and my brain is just buzzing and swirling and I'm mad scientist party goods designer at that point. I'm just like, my pen is just going crazy. And it's, if anyone looked at the page, they would have no idea at all what it says or looks like nothing. But it's just an interesting process that like, I have to like actually get everything just swirling around. Yeah. And then boop, something pops out of the end of that, of that, <laughs> into of that into product. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the other thing I want to say. So it's become interesting to me, both in doing these podcast interviews and just in my my day-to-day -day work of working with clients, how many service industry people long for a product mm. and how many product people long for a service? I've yeah, heard product people say, if if I could just, I just don't want inventory. I don't want mm. to create anything. I don't want to manufacture anything. If I could just sell my expertise, mm. that'd be great. Mm -hmm. And then conversely, people in the service industry saying, Oh my gosh, I just want to create, I want to have something that I can hand to a client. I can 100% see how both sides yeah. would feel that way. I 100% don't feel that way. Yeah. I really love both things, which is why I still have two companies. Yeah. Um, I just think that um, my brain likes to move in lots of directions. Yeah. And so just speaking to who I am, I think that takes us a long time to do in life. Um, yeah. I actually need to do that because otherwise I, I, I'm not content. I, 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 you know. How long did it take you to figure that out about yourself? Um, I, th I would say that in the process of having Tin Parade that I figured that out. Because okay. I think that I always was thinking, well, I'm not going to do weddings. But then I missed, yeah, I, yeah. I would miss them if I didn't do one for a few months. Yeah. And so um, 
so the truth is that I love doing weddings. Um, the truth also is I don't do as many anymore. Yeah. I'm very, very selective um, because I just have to be. You know, I, I, I mean, and you can be. You've and earned I quite can a be. reputation. Yeah, so that's here in a Los lucky Angeles. thing, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, and sometimes last year I had this bride who kept sending people to me, and she'd call me first and say, "I know, can I can I send you another one? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can I send you another one? Because I know you don't take that many." And I'm like, "Well, not really right now, but you know, whatever." Um, but that is a lucky thing, and it. Still, you know, I, I love doing weddings. Um, I feel confident when I do a wedding because I've done them for 16 years and I know what I'm doing and I know it's going to go well. And so, like, I think that's part of just for me, like, it's it's so nice to have that confidence sure. in something because Tin Parade, I don't always have that. I still, sure. even though I've done so much with Tin Parade, I still don't have that. When I'm doing a wedding, I know what I'm doing and I know it's going to be fine. It's okay, going to be great. I want our listeners to really kind of hear that. Just because you can embrace and feel like you're an expert at one thing doesn't mean you're going to feel it in whatever's next. Yeah. It also shouldn't stop you from trying that other Absolutely. thing, from moving forward. Because I think that's a, a, you know, people can feel safe and so they don't want to go out of their safety. Yeah. Safe's kind of box great. Safe's or, you good. know, like this is the sandbox yeah. I can play in and I don't want to play mm-hmm. in any other sandbox. Um, but it's also to say, don't be concerned if you're like, well, that doesn't feel safe, that it means that it's the wrong move. Exactly. Um, okay. So I don't think it will feel safe when you start no, something like this. I don't this. think it should. I think you should expect it not to. Especially if it's something that really invigorates you. Yeah. Often it's the unknown that, yeah. is, that is so compelling. Mm-hmm. So you talked about a lot of your stuff being kind of high design. Yeah. And I think, um... I'd love for you to break that down a little bit because I see a problem that people are like, how do you overcome an audience who hasn't seen something you've created, Mm -hmm. which I think is what you mean by high design. It's not something that exists necessarily. You're introducing it to the market. I don't say high design. I Uh think that you capture that. That's interesting because you capture that from what I said. Um, That's not how I think really Mm -hmm. of of Tempered. I I did use the word sophisticated, Mm -hmm. um, but can't we all be sophisticated in life and not Mm -hmm. have to be highbrow? Like I get Mm -hmm. worried about the word high design because Mm -hmm. it feels feels out of reach. It doesn't feel accessible. And um, and that's not what Tempered is. To me, it, um, you know, it's it's high quality. um, And I always teach my kids like quality over quantity, Mm -hmm. like what a a great way to live. And most people don't do that. (laughs) I mean, they're going to Party City and they're just, you know, having all these tchotchkes in a little plastic bag that everyone takes with them. And, you know, and I would like last year, my daughter had a party and we gave everyone a beautiful pair of slippers, you know, to take home because it was a slumber party instead of a bag of a bunch of crap. Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of how I think of Tin Parade. Um, And so I don't think that it's, it's high design, meaning not accessible. I just think that it's it's um, it's a better choice okay. for people. So maybe you said high concept. Maybe I did. Okay, one hundred percent. It's high concept. So yeah. by that, I mean the, what I'm getting at is it's something that a consumer hasn't seen or mm-hmm. experienced yes. before. Okay. So what you have to do as a brand is to help them overcome that. And yes. you talked about that at trade shows. It's quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about how so, you had to overcome, like, here's a table banner. And they're like, I don't know what a table banner right. is. Or here's a garland for your table. Yes. I don't know what that is. I always, you know, I used to say about Tin Parade when we first were launching, when I first started doing shows, because the feedback was so great. You know, and it, it was wonderful to see people enjoying the things that you spent so much time creating. But also, you know, they didn't always buy right away because they mm-hmm. kind of had to 
think all about that it, over and, it. you know, and so, um, yeah. And I, and I always, uh, would say that we're kind of like that indie film that got great reviews, but nobody went to see it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and then people started to, to kind of get it. And I think that it was that sometimes the buyers had to see it more than once. Um, but once once they got it, then they got it, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was really important because I don't, I didn't want to sell a table banner to a buyer who didn't get it sure. because then in turn she or he would not be able to to move have that their, product. Yeah, have their customer get it. As I always say, I'm well. I always feel like I'm the best salesperson of my product. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I do have other people selling it, but I'm the best salesperson for it because I'm so excited about it and mm-hmm. I love it and, you know, all of that. And and that's how it has to be with your your buyer mm-hmm. who has the store. They have to be excited about it or they won't move it either. Um, and so if they don't get it, it is almost better that they did move on because, you know, then it's just going to sit on their shelf and… Did you know that right away? Were you able to discern I was early? That's a that. lot of wisdom. To I was have capturing early on. that pretty quickly because, uh-huh. uh, well, first of all, when you do these shows, we're talking about trade shows, yeah. um, the gift shows. When you do these, man, you learn a lot in seven days. <laughs> yeah. It's no joke. It trade is shows like are you no are joke. just thrown into the fire, and mm-hmm. you come out of that, and much, you come out much better mm-hmm. at what you're doing because you do learn a lot. Um, and and they're talking to you face to face, and you know, and I feel like l- let's talk about the trade shows, yeah, a, a, yeah, a little later. bit actually. Yeah. So you've benefited from that exposure. Mm-hmm. You have some major brands who yep. purchased from you, but I also know that that trade show world is changing. Yes. So I'd love to know your experience, and just let's not let's not assume that our audience understands that world. So yeah, there and, are gift I mean, shows, their their home shows, right. You buy a booth. Yes. Sometimes you have to get accepted into the show. Yes. It's not as easy as buying a booth. Right. You set up a little, you know, kind of tin parade showroom. As I say, you got to bring it. Yeah. You got to, it's got to be beautiful. Because that's what's compelling the buyer to not You're just setting walk up by. A, you know, usually a 10 by 10s. I've had bigger booths. But okay, let's so say how many people are at these foot. shows? What are you competing with? Thousands. Okay. Um, and, you know, there's there's different shows. There's regional shows. People don't have to think, oh my gosh, I have to go to Atlanta and America's Mart, the biggest show in the country. Right. No. You don't. You can go to Seattle or in San Francisco, and there's regional shows that are small. You can, you know, kind of get your feet wet. Your 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 ROI on those shows, your your return on investment, probably, you know, won't quite be there for you. But uh, you know, there's other reasons to do shows than the immediate, you know, um, money sales. back. Yeah, okay. the immediate sales. So, um, but, so your, yeah, so trade shows. What's the I range say, of price that somebody can assume to pay to, to pay I mean I always say a trade show costs six to ten K to do okay um and so it just depends on what show it is what you're bringing in what kind of booth you're building how much staff if any you have working your booth are you flying do you have to get a hotel room um all of the the, the pieces and things that you're purchasing or having made for your booth um your printing your printing cost sure, can be great. Sure. Yeah, the printed collateral can be quite great for those shows. And, you know, every six months or ha- however many months you're printing again because you probably, you know, your catalog isn't right anymore. And yeah. so it's like, yeah, you know, it's these expenses. Um, so, yeah, the expenses are great, but that is where the buyers go. That's mm-hmm. where they are. Um, and in a digital world… Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's changed the landscape of the trade show world? Do you feel like buyers are 
why are we spending all this money flying to these shows? Why can't we just get everything through going online and to a certain degree? Okay. Um, So last year, and you and I talked about this, Mm -hmm. like over a year ago, maybe Mm -hmm. I don't remember Mm -hmm. when it was. I think it was a little over a year ago. And you know, my thing is, I always feel like I'm a big picture person. So I look at something and go wow, they should just do this and Mm -hmm. it will make everything better. (laughs) So here I come into this industry. I don't know anything about it, but it's just my personality to think, I don't think they're doing this right. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a silly, it's a silly thing. No, I, I understand. Yeah, like I'm sure people are like, person. thanks, no. Ryan. You know, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I think you're looking, that's part of the the mind of an entrepreneur. Some people are looking to introduce a concept and some people are looking to um, satisfy a demographic. Yeah. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are really looking at what's the need in the market and how do I and how does make it work it more for efficient? me? Yes, yeah. and I I needed it to work for me. And um, so the the trade show, you know, world is it's it's stressful. It's a lot of time. You're you, you know, for me, I have kids, so I'm you know gone for my kids when I do those shows yeah. and all of that. The re- the reward can be great. And then other times it's not great. And so it is a hit or miss. You know, did you see every buyer you wanted to see? Like sometimes I'm sitting there like, if if Nordstrom will just walk by my booth, if they'll yeah. just walk by, you know, and, you know, so it's it's stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at the same time, again, if you don't go, you're not seen. And so I went through this period of like, well, wait a second, this is kind of crazy because A, retail is changing, ever-changing. Brick and mortar is ever-changing. Not as many people go to a store to buy goods anymore. It yeah. doesn't mean they don't. They certainly do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure we all have our favorite boutiques that we love to support and go into and find something new. But I also know that when it's Christmas time and I'm busy, I'm on Amazon. And I I do that, you know? Sure. And so— and and I know that that's changed everything. Um, and so, yes, less buyers are going to the shows. I think that's one thing that has changed is that, and I know this because I've seen it in four and a half years, but I also know this because one thing that I am obsessed with is I talk to everyone mm-hmm. that I can because I gain information. I'm, I never like to waste time. So if I'm standing at a booth all day, every day, and it's a slow time, you better believe I'm talking to everyone around me because mm-hmm. I'm trying to just at least gain information from them. And and many of them do the same thing. But, um, you know, it's it's a, a great thing to learn from somebody else, right? Sure. And so um, I have talked to a number of people about this, um, even though I've only been around for, you know, so long, um, that that the shows have changed. And yes, there are less buyers coming. And, and sometimes you'll do a show and... <sighs> Sometimes there's just a lot of tchotchkes around you. Mm-hmm. And so those buyers are also sifting through that. And the reason that that's happened from what I've told and from what I see myself is there are less buyers coming. So there And there are then less products, less people buying a booth. Mm-hmm. So there is less oversight of who's taking those booths. So they're selling to anyone sometimes. Not every show, not every show. But so that's where are happening. The How are the buyers buying then? What so is the buyers, for them? They're, they're running through and they're still looking and they're 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 doing that. But what is what is happening is they're taking much more time to make a decision um, and they want a better deal. And so that's happening. Um, and the other thing that's happening is they're also doing a lot of testing online. And so when they maybe would test you in the store and say, okay, we're just going to buy 200 products. We're going to test it in a couple of stores. And now they might say, we're just going to test it online. And that is such a bummer to me because I love when people can pick it up, 
feel touch it. it feel yeah, it. touch it, yeah. feel it. Um, even if they go online and buy it later, <laughs> yeah, it's really great to be in a store. And so a lot of the stores do their testing now online, which means you got to have really good photos. And, you know, and that was a tough thing for us with, with the table banner because the table banner doesn't show as well online. It yeah. shows I was going to say for yeah. something that's more high concept, right. that becomes an that's issue. That's exactly right. And I'll tell you why. When you go to Amazon or you go anywhere online, you, you know, many times you're searching specifically. Mm-hmm. I want a, you know, Absolutely. best dad mug, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So you put yeah. that in. Um, you're not going, I want a table banner. Nobody knows what it is. So I'm not, as searchable. So that is a difficult thing for me to overcome. We still overcome that. It's um, it's something that I'm still working on. Has that made you want to create products that are searchable, that are more kind of, right? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> mm. I need a sip of coffee for that one. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Little, um, little hit. Sorry. Yes. Out of left field. Yes. No, here's the thing. Um, you know, m- my husband or many times other people have said, you know, you should just do a, a party good that you know everyone buys. And a while back, it, this this thing came up of paper straws. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You should do paper straws. <laughs> and I kept saying, Tin Parade does not do paper straws. Right. 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 <laughs> That's not who we are, you know? Yeah. And I'm never going to do paper straws, you know? And then and then we had a rep once, uh, this this rep group, and they kept saying, you should do a paper napkin that goes to every table banner. And you'll probably sell a million of them. And whether that was a good choice or not a good choice to not do it, I just felt really, really strong about staying true to the brand, mm-hmm. which was not throwaway items. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't want to do a napkin. And I went all the way to getting samples, getting, you know, my... my uh, Factory. I, I mean, I almost you did it. Test it out. I almost did it, yeah. and then I was like, "Wait, that's not who we are." Yeah, th- I don't want to do these things. And so now my joke is always like, "Well, we don't do paper straws." Meaning, and it's okay if people out there are doing paper straws. It's just for me, I want to always be doing something that is unique and a bit innovative, which is like so great, right? Mm-hmm. But harder to sell. Sure, it makes it, it harder. Just makes, it just that's the thing you have to overcome. Right, and once you get known as the the kind of an industry leader right. who's making those innovative things, right. then then you've overcome that. But yeah. you also then have all the people that will copy you when you're a leader. Yes. So how do, have you dealt with that? Um, we have seen some things mm-hmm. that were very <laughs> similar. Um, and so that's just so flattering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great way oh, to, so to be flattering. I love that. Um, but I, it sucks. Come it, on. I mean, it, it sucks to yeah, see. It sucks. And I think that, um, you know, in, in on the one hand, that could be helpful because if there are more table banners out there, maybe people get it and mine are better because I mill my own fabric. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it can serve me, but um, it, it, you know, it certainly happens. The, the new product that we are launching that I just showed in, in Paris in mm-hmm. September um, is is also a new concept. I, I don't even want to use the word high concept because I think it's easy to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is new. Nobody's doing it. And I'm super excited. And I have them right here in my bag. I'm going to show you. Okay. I can't wait um, to see. Yes. Um, but actually, we're going to uh, um, launch them in, in January in Atlanta. And, you know, um, I, I think that 
it, it is it is a new concept, um, but now it's different because now I've done these shows so many times, so I know my buyers, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's so hard when you first start because you don't know anybody. You know, I just did this show in in Paris, and it was our first European show, and I'm standing there, you know, and no one knows me, mm-hmm. and so it's so different because when I do the shows in the U.S., it's like, oh, so and so from Paper Source, kiss kiss, sure. you know, it's like I'm saying hi to all these buyers. That way. No, that's, it that's didn't. So that's the nice thing about January when we bring these things. I think, you know, the conversation's already there. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, tell them who I am. They already know, like, hey, what do you have now? You know, and that's a great place to be. And that just takes time. Time. It does take time. Yeah. So we're trying something new around here. We're going to start acting like a real media company and partner with brands we love brands we actually want to share with you. We're doing this for a couple reasons. One, in order to keep bringing these stories to you, we need to pay the team that pulls it all together each week. And two, these collaborations actually provide another way for us to shout out and share female-founded ventures, as well as resources we think you'll love. Our first partner is someone that's near and dear to us. She's even been interviewed on the podcast. You can check out episode 98 for her startup story and her advice on scaling your business. This is none other than Marin Costello. Now, Marin's jewelry is a brand that I've both worn and shared with friends. Her designs are always on trend, and for some reason, they never go out of style. How can you do both? I don't know, but she does it. Everything's made in the US. It's hypoallergenic and water resistant, so you can wear it all the time. And they're committed to sustainable practices like recently they've started using environmentally conscious stainless steel and sourcing products from manufacturers that share these values. And if you're a fan of layering, well, you're welcome. Head over to shopmarincostello.com. That's S-H-O-P-M-A-R-R-I-N-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com and layer stack and load up on the gold and silver to your heart's desire. And there's no need to feel bad about this little indulgence because when you use the code NETA15, that's nada one you'll get 15% off your purchase now through December 31st. So head over and get to shopping and remember to use NETA, nada one to get 15% off all your shopping from now through the end of the year. So um, I want to talk about the manufacturing thing. Not, okay. I mean, you you spent a minute talking about the uh, that you actually created your own fabric. Yes. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I don't suggest. But w- what you didn't know anything about manufacturing. No. You came from a world that purchased items mm-hmm. that you needed. So I had artisanally made goods. Yeah. all the time. I had people making things all the time for you know, high-end weddings. Yeah, but, but to be making... Yeah. very different manufacturing. So what was the learning curve there? Again, for people who are like, I want to do this, but that means I have to really start looking at manufacturers. Where did you start? You know, the way that I did it, I actually do suggest, and I'm going to be very specific here. So, you know, you can do things like you can just Google around and find mm-hmm. a manufacturer. Um, you know, it's it's a little risky, right? Mm-hmm. A little scary. You can ask a friend, um, and some people don't want to give up who their manufacturers mm-hmm. are for varied reasons. Um, and you can go on Alibaba. A lot of people mm-hmm. will do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's as um, as risky as I hear it used to be because mm-hmm. they have now checks and balances. So mm-hmm. there's always that. Alibaba but, is the Google 
of the yeah. Asian kind of market. And and um, of manufacturing. And yes. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, and so, but I actually through a friend, through a friend, was put in touch with somebody who's sort of a manufacturing agent. And she was amazing because she was the, first of all, she was like boots on the ground in the factory, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And so she was in Australia, obviously just a hop, skip, and a jump from the China factories. I I produce in China, most things. Um, And so I would be here and then she would come to the States. Sometimes I would fly up and see her in San Francisco just for a meeting, you know, but I didn't have to go to China. Um, And so that was really great because I didn't have a language barrier. Um, and, uh, And she also, for me, it was really a plus because she was American. So she just knew our market also, mm-hmm. you know, and that just was a, a, a plus because, you know, we, we like and do things differently here than in other places. You know, I definitely realized that when I went to Paris uh, for that show. So that was a, a plus. And what she did was she sort of walked me through the process. She sort of held my hand a bit. It was still scary. It was still messy. It was, it was still expensive. It was still all those things, but it was just easier. Um, So yes, I paid more to have her. I paid a percentage of every purchase order I put into my factory, but would I do it again? 100%. And what you, what you pay up front, you save in the long term, because even if you get it right, that you picked the right manufacturer, perhaps the right shipping, um, yeah, third party wasn't right. Right. Perhaps the quality wasn't right. And now you have to pay to get that all shipped back. It, yes. all, it seems like that lesson, especially when it's overseas. Yes. Um, and it, you're new. To, to have somebody in there that knows the language, knows yeah. the game, knows who to go to, knows yep. what to overcome. And she would have somebody there during production for quality control. And so not necessarily herself, but just depending, she would have somebody from her agency who would go during my production time and be there and they could call me, you know, Skype me and during it. for you. And yes, say, here's and send a photo problem, right at the top a... of the run. Like, here's a photo. Is this green right or whatever? That's great. Um, and so that was a plus. So wh- what are those people called if we want to? I believe it's called a manufacturing um, rep. Okay. I- I've seen it called different things okay. because when we say the word rep, and I've used it today in this in this um, uh, interview, is um, I mean a, a rep for a brand, right? So, okay. Um, so this is to clarify, when I go do those big shows, like America's Mart in Atlanta has this huge Mungo show. It's, you know, and it's the Atlanta gift show, right? It's right. it's ridiculously huge. I yeah. did the Dallas show and I was looking out over the big, you know, uh, landscape once over this balcony. And I was saying to this person next to me, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And he goes, um, obviously you've never done the Atlanta show. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very overwhelming. But anyhow, in, in, at, in that building or buildings, it's three huge buildings that are all connected. There are also upstairs in all these different floors, like, I don't know, 18 floors or whatever. There's all these showrooms. Sure. So those showrooms are reps. So right. they are repping. So one showroom has, you know, 50 different lines in it, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll pay usually a little, I don't, I, I'm sorry, not little. You'll pay a fee to be in there yeah. and then you'll pay them 15% of everything they sell. And so that's a whole other discussion. But the rep that I was talking about is a manufacturing rep. Um, and so I have seen those terms used Interchangeably, it, it, yes, even though and that can be very confusing. Things. So okay. just know that they will be used interchangeably, and that you are what you're looking for is somebody to help you with production. That's a good heads factory. up, and I think yeah. that alone will help people to sort of distinguish um, the two and and know what to be looking for. Um, some of the things that um, I think you've had to overcome 
besides that early, you know, hiring that person early on, I think are just general things that other people in manufacturing, product making have to overcome trade shows. What do you think it was the hardest part um, to date? And maybe what was the hardest part in starting? And then what is the hardest part in just the the day-to-day running? Um, Well, when I started, the hardest part was just not knowing anything. And and the first couple of years that we have 10 had 10 parade, I kept saying, I'm getting a business degree and ma- a master's degree in, in business in these, you know, couple years here because yeah. the amount that I, I learned. Um, and now I sought that out. I sought out information constantly and I highly recommend it. Um, things like this, like listen, I listened to a number of webinars and podcasts weren't as big then as they are now, but I still do listen to a number of podcasts, webinars, and, you know, uh, I'm always clicking on like a Facebook webinar. It's like, what do I need to do? Um, I still do that. I did it a ton then. I spent so much time doing it. Mm -hmm. So if I was on a walk or a run, uh, then I had that in my ear um, always. And I uh, think that that was um, just a great way to, to learn. But in terms of like the question, like the hardest thing was just everything I didn't know. Yeah. There was just so much. It was so vast. And it was shockingly vast. What kept you in the game? Why, why didn't you just say, this is too much? It's, I got this other thing to run. I've got a family. I just wouldn't like, what? do that. Okay. It's just it's, not in my nature to do it. I, you know, I always say to people that I'm scrappy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> no, I use that term right? a lot too. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I, you know, I, I am someone like, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we had no money. And so I, I, I was always scrappy, you know, mm-hmm. and I would always come up with ideas and ways that I could make some money. And I, um, you know, I had, my husband always has this joke where he says, um, we were both born in the seventies, but I was raised in the forties. Yeah. <laughs> And it was kind of like that, but I, I, so I got a paper out at eight years old and I went down, they wouldn't let me. I picture you dressed as a newsie. Pretty much, pretty much in eighties clothes. Yeah. And I went, I wanted to get a paper out and they were like, you're too young. And so my brother had to get one who was 10. And so we got one together and I never stopped working from age eight years old. I, I truly mean that I had all these random, I, I had a babysitting thing where it's like, I'm not available, but I can get so-and-so to you. I had that going for a while. Yes. I had that for a long time. <laughs> then in high school, That's genius. in high school, I actually, because I, I worked all the time and yeah. I, I loved working because I, I don't know, I'm a hard, I like working hard. Mm-hmm. Like when people set up for the trade shows, they're like, oh, and I'm like, I love this. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know why it's really weird, but I like no, working hard. I, don't and think I feel it's weird, so actually. good think, yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah. It feels good. And so, but I, uh, I would buy my own clothes because, you know, my parents just didn't have that. And so I would buy all my own clothes and my sister would be like, can I borrow this shirt and that shirt? And so I finally started to charge her oh, to yeah. borrow shirts. Uh-huh. So it was like $3 for a really good one, $2 for an okay one, $1 for a not so great one. Yeah. So finally, I'm doing it every day and I'm ma- making money off my sister. So one day, <laughs> my mom finds out, my sister told my mom, my mom says, you cannot be charging your sister to borrow your clothes. Yeah. And I said, that is perfectly fine. Then she doesn't need to wear my clothes. So they're my clothes. Right. So I have a solution for yeah, that. So that's fine. No problem. So about a week goes by and she comes in. She's like, fine, I won't tell mom. Can I borrow that shirt? <laughs> You're like, for an extra dollar. <laughs> exactly. I need, I need some security that you oh, yeah. tell mom. So, yeah. So we started it up again. But um, so I've just always been like that. And um, I think it was just stemmed from just 
feeling the need to take care of myself or in a sense, but um, not mm-hmm. that my parents didn't take care of me, but just, you know, there was no, you know, um, a silver spoon, you know, yeah. of any kind. There was no tin spoon. There was just, yeah. you know, and so I always had that drive. Um, Don't you actually kind of feel like that's a blessing? Absolutely. Like I, I, I wonder for so many mm-hmm. of our kids who I've said a million times, I'd die and come back as them would be great. I mean, yeah. they have a great life. But how do we instill that in them? And that's a whole other podcast. Yes. But I mean, in some ways, to listen to you and your energy around it and what you're sharing with all the listeners and the way you're inspiring through your own story, like I'm kind of glad that your parents didn't give you yeah. a silver spoon because yeah. now we have people in the world like you who are saying, I can do this and I right. can be scrappy and I can bootstrap this yep. and I don't need to know what I'm going yeah. into to stop me from doing it. Yeah, I, absolutely. I can't do that. So I want to, that's a great transition actually into kind of taking Ryan Larson brain and try and like squeeze out all the goods for okay. our listeners and really get you into the kind of advice um, space here. So when women come to you or if a woman was to come to you and say, okay, what's your advice for me starting a product-based business? Aside from maybe you don't need to create your own fabric. Mm-hmm. Like what would you say to her? Um, well, I love when people come to me and I think you know this about me that I have this thing where it, uh, it is not a side business. I do not have this as a business. I know we all think I need to have a, a third, <laughs> maybe fourth business. Um, but whenever I know somebody has a dream or an idea and they're just so scared and they don't know what to do. And I always say, let's go to coffee yeah. because, um, you know, people helped me um, mm-hmm. along the way. And I feel like for me, that's kind of my way to give back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is truly amazing. You know this from me talking to you and other people, but it's amazing how just being able to talk to somebody about something for an hour, mm-hmm. two hours um, about your idea and what you need to do and and is it is it a good idea or how should I go about it? Um, all those questions that we have, um, it, it is so hard to find someone to do that. And mm-hmm. so um, I, I love to do that and I've done it a million times. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that feels so good to me, but I will tell you, it also is good for me because it also helps me organize my brain on those uh, questions and and answers as well in terms of what I'm doing. Um, But uh, sorry, what was the question? (laughs) Just what would be your advice to her? Like, I want to start a product business. So do you say, okay, watch out for X? What, how would you feel that? Um, I do, you know, the one thing that, one of the big things that I didn't know going into this was um, how much time I would need to travel Mm-hmm. Um, in order to do the big shows. Now, there's mm-hmm. different ways to do this. I sell mostly B2B, which business to business, and some people are more B2C, right? Mm-hmm. Business to consumer. And I think that it, um, that's kind of different. You're behind your screen more. You're with sure. social media more. So for me, that was what I was doing. And that was just, I didn't know that. I uh, It sounds crazy, the things I didn't know. I didn't know anything. And I was mm-hmm. I just didn't know anything. Um, and so I would say, you know, if that's what you want to do and you want to sell B2B, I think you should know that that's part of the new lifestyle that you'll have. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's okay and that works for you, great. Um, so that would just be one of those across the board things. Um, I also, you know, think that if if there's, if you, if you aren't hungry for it, mm. don't do it. Yeah. Because, if, I if, second if, that. <laughs> yes, because there are dark moments 
and hard, really hard moments, really hard. Yeah. Um, and and they tax things that are more than you. Yes. They tax they relationships. Yes. They tax family. They yes. tax your pocketbook. They, yes. And and people, you know, I've said this a million times, but I used to think anybody could be an entrepreneur. Mm. And I changed that tune some years ago when I realized, no, it actually takes a certain kind of person. Yes. And it doesn't, by that, I don't mean a visionary. No. I, I know a million people with a million ideas. Yes. It's really somebody who knows how to execute and how to stay in the game. And I honestly think, I honestly, honestly think that's the only difference between those that succeed and those that don't. Well, 100%. Yeah. It's uh, the just don't give up. Yeah. And n- not just don't give up, but don't give up and keep doing it better. Yes, that's a great distinction because I do think it's not just enough to say kind of hang in there because you could be hanging in there with a really crappy product. Absolutely. You could be hanging in there with a bad marketing plan or whatever is happening. Um, Okay, so let me ask you, I often ask people with, you know, bringing in new products, a new idea, whatever it is, there's so much to compete for. There's an audience that, you know, that sees a lot. There's a lot of noise out there. I want to direct this more to you with buyer noise. There's mm-hmm. a, the, the buyers, because you are B2B, are seeing a lot of things, whether it's things that are innovative, like what you're creating, or things that are more run-of-the-mill that are being done better or prettier or whatever it is. How have you found it, um, or how have you cut through that noise with them or seen other people cut mm-hmm. through the noise with them in an effective way? Right. Um, well, I think for for one thing, it's um, simplifying the message. And yeah. I think that is a really difficult thing to do because <laughs> as an entrepreneur, you're also still building your message yes. and you're still figuring and it out. Constantly and evolving. constantly evolving. Yeah. yeah. And so um, it, it is sometimes, sometimes you feel like you just, wow, that was, I just hit, the, you know, hit the nail on the head. I just was clear, concise, you know, my press release and my, you know, collateral and my booth that I built and, you know, everything that's going out into, you know, and then other times like we are very muddled right now. I got to get back on track. Um, and so I, you know, I, I have done that and I do that and then I get back on track. And so I I don't think there's one answer to any question you're asking me. It's just like you said, the word evolving Mm. is a constant in Mm -hmm. everything. Um, but I, I do have a friend with a, a brand and, you know, I, I always tell her, just whatever you're going to do, I'm going to just do it because you're one step ahead of me. It's like this yeah. joke, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm watching you. <laughs> Everything you okay. do, I'm going to do it. There's actually a lot of wisdom in that. So I was just with a client. This was, I think, at the end of last week. And we were talking about her competitors, um, both direct competitors. So mm-hmm. let's say if she makes cupcakes, they also make cupcakes, uh-huh. but indirect competitors. So anybody that sells sweets. Sure. Okay. She's not in the cupcake business, right. but, um, and we said, let's go look at what they're all doing and just, and they were, we were looking at really big companies mm-hmm. who had lots of money to spend sure. on marketing. And we said, let's assume that what they're doing has been vetted and researched. And let's assume that what they're not doing hasn't, right. they haven't poured money into that and let's learn from them. Yes. There's a lot of, that's the copying. That's okay. Yes. And that <laughs> is okay. It's not copying a concept. Right. No, it's, co- it's really copying the way in which somebody Learning does something. From. If you look at the way Apple, you know, puts out one phone a year and creates a lot of buzz and excitement and has somebody li- has people lined up for days when they announce that, that concept means something. How do you create that buzz? How do you create that sort of pipeline? Right. So that's the kind of copying we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Okay, so 
Um, were you going to say something about that you copy that person all the time or? Uh, no, no, okay. no. I mean, we have a completely different products. So we, we okay. love to help each other. But, you know, she's been doing this for, you know, much, much longer than me. And so I always say, you know, you're one step ahead of me. And I just, you know, it's great to have somebody like that. Yeah. First, by the way, um, it's really great. Yeah. And we actually, when we do shows, we try to um, share hotel rooms and, you know, we try to cut our costs when we can. Um, we, we have shared a booth before, which is not... Not super easy to do, but you know, it's great to have somebody who's just one step ahead, yeah. uh, you know, and you'll be that for somebody else. So it's okay. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, but it's really good to have that. I like that you shared those tips because I think those are really practical ways in which we can save money. So just let's go over those again. So saving, oh, I have a million sharing of those. costs <laughs> on. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, first of all, if you are able to share a booth with someone, it has to be a, a product that is not competing, but that makes sense together. Sure. Um, then you don't have to hire people for your booth. You each work it together, um, you know, and so you share. you sell notepads, they sell pencils. Something like that. Thing. Yeah. Okay. It, it only works sometimes. Some shows won't let you do it. Some will. Um, so that's, you know, one big thing uh, is, is just... Um, you said you shared hotel rooms. So just you've yeah, we to share know hotel people. rooms. We get an Airbnb okay. together. Last year I had an Airbnb with uh, two other people. We just, you know get something that has a few rooms. And you're fine. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs who do that. And um, it's you know you don't want to overspend also yeah. when you're doing these shows because then you're looking for a bigger return on investment. You know, sure. and it's it's so it's good to keep the cost down. When I first started doing the shows, it was like we're going out every night, and I'm bringing I'm flying people out to help me. Th you know, and I learned very quickly that that wasn't a great way to to right. do this unless it was an absolute necessity. There are shows that are so busy and I have to have two people. Um, but there's a number of shows that I can do and I just hire someone to help me set up and tear down and then I I work it myself. Let me ask you something really specific. Um, having done shows in my, my other life, um, for a number of years, we used to actually reach out to the buyers that we wanted, some that we knew, some that we didn't, and we would make appointments with them yes. to come to our booth. Um, so I, I think I'd love to hear your strategy and not just sitting around waiting for somebody, right. not that that's what you were doing, right? but a lot of times people are like, if we build it, they will come. Right. And sometimes that's not enough. Yes. If you're looking at buyers who are whizzing by right. at record pace right. um, because there's literally thousands of booths yes. to see, and yeah. there are at these shows, yes. you really need to find a way to get yeah. them to you. And if you're in a part of the the show that's not as compelling, right. that that's doesn't have the, the great yeah. brands, and often when you're starting out, that's where you are, you need to bring them into that building. You need to find a way. Well, that's the catch-22. Because... Um, until you're a destination, you mm -hmm. are waiting for people to walk mm -hmm. by. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, the first shows, it was like, I don't know any buyers. Sure. <laughs> I don't know any buyers. And so I'm just waiting for anyone to, to stop by. However, like you said, of course I wasn't just waiting. Well, I do this thing where I, I stand. I knew at, you would have a thing. Okay, I, I do this thing. thing. And I stand at the edge of my booth and I say, hi, can we show you our table banners? <laughs> My husband, you know, he'll like just randomly sometimes say that. And I'm like, just stop, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, you got me a lot of orders. But there was this, I did, the first big show I did was the New York Now gift show. Um, and that can be pretty uh, mm -hmm. daunting and pretty overwhelming. I know that show well, uh, yes. yeah. And it was a beautiful show and, uh, you know, whatever. But I, I didn't know how to do a show. I'd only done one with a rep showroom before mm -hmm. in a small show in Los Angeles. We have very small shows here. So I did it and I'm standing there and I'm just like, well, I'm just going to say hi to people, you know. Because they're looking straight ahead. They don't turn their... But sure. if I say hi, then they turn their head and they... And, oh, they saw my booth, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I realized that sometimes they'd go, oh, what, what is that? 
table banner, you know? And so I, they would stop. And so that was my very first show. And this guy is walking by and I'm like, my husband was talking to me. He he did the show with me. And I said, wait, wait, don't talk to me because there's a buyer coming. He goes, he's not your demographic. That guy in a suit with a briefcase is not your demographic. And I said, hi, can I show you our table banners? And he walked in and he wrote $12,000 right there on the spot. Oh so, my gosh. Wow. So, you know, he was a buyer for this big department store in Australia right. and, and who knows. And so my thing from that moment on was I just talked to everyone. Sure. <laughs> well, and then you're getting feedback from people Absolutely. or oh, I'm not your buyer, but I know somebody who and is. And I get that a, a lot. And, and so you, I also know now that there's these buying teams Mm. I didn't know that then. And so uh, now if you see people and they have like, you know, there's uh, the suits, right? Could be women or men, but sure. just the suits. You know who right. they are, right? And they're not the the type that look like they have some, you know, boutique. cool eco boutique yeah. oh, in yeah, San yeah. Francisco. They're yeah. the suits. And so when you see there's like, you know, three to seven and they're all in a little huddle and then they have their their thing that they wear around their neck, they have it turned over. So you know they don't want you to know quickly who they are because they turn them over so you don't know that's, a big buying team from, you know, Williams-Sonoma. I have no idea. Sure. Um, and so, but you know now, because I've done so many, that when they're in those groups and they're dressed a certain way, somebody will have a clipboard. That's the assistant. She's going to take down every note, whatever. that You know what to look for. And then I, by all means, I am going to be like, hi, hi, can I get you? I just get them in the booth. Yeah. Because and don't underestimate them, the assistant because absolutely. she's the person who is willing to make yes. the relationship or build the relationship with you and she's your only mouthpiece. Well, and I'll tell you one thing because I've been doing this now over four years. Those assistants, they become buyers. Yes. So yeah, that I have grown absolutely. with, uh, I've had people that have gone to three different places and bought from me at all three different places because they were the assistant who became the buyer. So. That's, yeah, that's great. Editors work the same way. Mm -hmm. Always be nice to the assistant editor. Yes. So you're a busy mom of two. Mm -hmm. We've established that. You're even busier because you have a second business. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some of the tools, apps? I know you're big on sort of being efficient and you're yes. very organized. What are some of the things that you can share, whether it's something you do with a piece of paper and a pen or mm -hmm. something that you digitally rely on, a third-party platform, anything like that that you can share with us? Well, it's funny because I, I'm a big fan of Google Docs because mm -hmm. I, you know, sometimes I just need to get out of my space and I go to a coffee shop and I can work from anywhere. So I do utilize, you know, a lot of cloud-based things. But um, I also have this thing where I need to write something really big on a really big of paper, a big piece of paper yeah. with a really big Sharpie. Yeah. Um, and there's just nothing like that. Having yeah. it, it's just like you can look at it all day and remind yourself what you need to be doing and what your focus is and, you know, prioritize and whatever. So I, I am known to put that. Um, and I wrote one once that had five things written on it. It was just kind of my mission, you know? Yeah. And I wrote it like two years ago and it's still up there. My daughter the other day, she was looking at it. She's like, you still have that. And I said, I'm still along, oh, yeah. you know, going along those. I'm still that. focused on that mission. Um, but I also, <laughs> this is funny, just I love apps, I love them. But um, I also love Boomerang mm -hmm. for Gmail. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's life-changing just to be able to schedule an email of when I want it to send. Um, I'll write an email to a buyer. I'm not going to send it on a Sunday because it's going to sure. be buried. Sure. And I don't want it to show up at 8 a.m. because it's still going to be buried. But if it shows up maybe at like 10 or 11, once she's gone through her whole inbox and she deleted enough just to get her day started, right. then it's going to show up. Um, and so I use Boomerang constantly. I also Boomerang emails to come back to me to remind me of things. Yeah. And it's honestly, I think that's the best thing ever. Okay. So we'll make sure that's <laughs> all in the show notes. I love those. Anything else that you can think of that you're like, 
this has changed my life. Do you use a day timer? I'm so curious. I lost my day timer Do you for mean a four paper? days. No. Yes. Well, okay. I will I tell you. I found it today. No, it was I, buried you in know, my I office. do Google Calendar and everything's sort of cloud-based on my phone and that kind of thing. But I will say, I always have, like you see here, I have a clipboard because wedding planners, we love clipboards. Yes, you do. It's very I met official. you with a clipboard I love and clipboards. a Janet Jackson mic. In that, my yeah. front of my desk, I have like six clipboards and they all have something on it that's being worked on. So the clipboard gets moved into different piles. So I love clipboards. However, I also always have a spiral binder and everybody in my office, I always have them have a spiral binder because if I'm talking, I don't want them to remember it. I want them to write as I speak because then later they don't need to ask me. It's jotted down. If they're on the phone with a vendor or something, they're just jotting into one big fat binder and then later we can look back at it. So that is kind of my goal. But I will tell you when I was in Paris, I lost (sighs) this book and it had all these hand-drawn designs in it. Not that somebody's going to, you know, pick it up and start making my designs. Based on your first, the first thing you said about your designs, they won't won't have a clue. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, those will all come back to you in better form. Mm -hmm. We're we're just going to throw that out there. So um, I just want to say really quickly that there is this stat out there that women are launching at record pace. They're becoming entrepreneurs at record pace that the both technology and the kind of the way of thinking about glass ceiling or having flexibility or being able to raise children and have a business, all those conversations um, have paved a way for women to consider entrepreneurship, but they're also failing at record pace. If I, if you had to guess, why would you think that's the case? I have my own thoughts. So why do you think that's the case that we're failing at record pace? Um, that is that is a great question. I don't think I have a good answer to it. What do you I, think I mean, you yourself have struggled with that could help you get over your own hump? Of- you know, the biggest struggle was always the not knowing. Now that I feel like I have so much information, mm-hmm. I would say that it's um, it's it, time can be an, an issue because okay. I I also you know we've talked about this like it's very important to me to still go pick my kids up. And, you know, there's all the things that we want to do as, as mothers and and all that. Um, funding can be very difficult. Um, you know, uh, having a story to tell, um, uh, a a business loan guy, he he doesn't care about that, you know? Um, so, I think funding is a, is an issue. I feel like everyone I talk to that that's that's pretty the much one thing we've that's heard. The pretty much funding. Yeah, the and I wondered issue. if you were going to say that. I think it's wise that you bring up time. And I think if we create business, if that is a priority, then if we create businesses mm-hmm. that take that into consideration, then we can stretch out what profitability looks like. What right. you know what I mean? We can stretch out what success looks like. Right. Um, so, and then the first thing you said was, I didn't know. And I yeah. think that's another reason. And that's why Liberty's here is yeah. if we can educate women yes. through telling each other's stories right. and giving each other hints about how we can overcome those before mm-hmm. we ever set out yeah. to launch our own businesses, then we can say to each other, like, don't do what I did. Do right. this. And, you know, we're all going to learn. Honestly, you know how I said I listened curve. to all these yeah. webinars and po- I did not do that prior to developing the table banner. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't because I, I I wasn't in that world. You I don't think I really knew that they- wouldn't even know what to search I, for. I though. didn't. And yeah. so um, if I had listened to things like this or, or webinars or whatever at that time before launching while in development, that would have saved me a lot of okay. headache. So everybody who's listening is already listening. 
Yeah. So I don't know how to extend that that message. Yeah, but to just everybody. seek but it out. Tell your friends. Yeah, go and tell but, your and friends. Seek, seek yeah. out and seek out more. There's yeah. absolutely so yeah. much more. Um, I mean, we're a great first place to yes. be to be listening, but there is so much more. So, um, one thing I would love for you to just share is kind of what parting piece of entrepreneurial advice would you like to give to our listeners who are in that ideation phase? They're about to start. What do you want them to know? How do you want to encourage them, especially as somebody who loves to give people an hour to to just yeah. say, hey, let me listen to what your idea well, is and see if it's viable together. And- as much as it is scary, and I, like I said, I, I said we never talked more about it, but there are dark moments and really hard moments. There are so many fabulous moments. Mm. There's nothing like having your friend in Boston send you a picture of her with your product in a store. Like, yeah. that's that's awesome, you yeah. know? I can remember being in my car after I launched and, you know, we got this big $32,000 order four months in and I cried in the parking mm. lot of Legoland when I got the call. <laughs> um, but just being in my car like a month after that and and just with this big smile. Mm. And like, this is, this this is, is great. It. Yeah. So I can't, I, I'm going to go back because I can't let that go, what you just said about the dark moments. Can you just kind of word to the wise, can you share with us what dark moments either you've had or we can anticipate as launching our own business I've had or some, in, in growth mode. Yeah, even. I've had some really big deals fall through. Mm-hmm. And so um, big deals that we had worked months on. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're developing with a big, I won't say the big mm-hmm. companies, we can uh, the yeah. Yeah, really, really large chains and yeah. um, developing with their development teams, you know, be like Tin Parade for so-and-so. And, you know, so you're working on the packaging and all of this. And I had three big deals fall through within a week. Mm. And it it was tens of thousands, like over a hundred. It was yeah. a lot of orders. Yeah. It was just sickening. Well, it was really a dark moment. And I will tell you the advice I would give from that moment is just don't count your chickens. (laughs) Mm. Because I was like, we're going to be fine. Like, you know, we're going to have such an, this is going to be our best year yet because of these, you know, deals on top of what we'd already accomplished that year. And then to lose those, it was like, you know, oh my gosh. I had really counted those chickens, you know, too early. And I also put too much time into those projects and didn't focus enough on the other um, buyers that and stores. Is, I don't think even people who are hearing you say that, they might remember it when it happens to them, but that's a really hard lesson to learn unless hard. you go through it yourself yeah. because you're promised so much. Yes. There's so much dangling yeah. in front of you. And that you're it's working with them every day. Say, okay, Why would they, Ryan told yeah. me to limit my time with that, but this this is different. Yeah. This isn't like Ryan's. This is, this for, is really yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And I've heard time and time yes, and time yes. and time again. And I and I will just remind people, that's what being in business is. Yes. That is exactly what it is. It's overcoming those highs and lows right. and still being there the next day. Yeah. Um, okay, Ryan, first of all, awesome, awesome, awesome to listen to you. I, I could do it forever. You have so <laughs> much to offer and I can't wait for the day when um, you can just do a seminar on what it means to launch a product and we'll, we'll house it on Liberty. You can come to us. Um, but I wanted to just end with our sort of fun little get to know Ryan with our quick six. So I'll just ask a question and just first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. Don't be, don't be. (laughs) Um, do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? I prefer 9 to 3.30, school pickup, and then as needed later in the okay. evening. <laughs> Very specific, but I think a lot of moms will appreciate that. 
And then vacationing in the mountains or the beach? Beach. Yeah, not even a question. I love mm-hmm. it. Okay. Work from home or office? Ah, home office. Okay, home office. Yeah. Um, how do you get away from the laundry and the dishes and the do you is your office hidden from that? I, I used to just be like, I'm not doing it. You know, my husband's at work all day. He's not doing the laundry while he's yeah. working. I'm not gonna do it. And then I found that I was less productive. And so now I take 30 minutes when everyone leaves for school, I take 30 minutes and I just make everything look okay. Yeah. And I mean okay-ish. Yeah. Okay. And then I, I get to work. And okay. then later when we're doing homework and whatever, and then I'm all on it. Okay. Yeah. You're back in the game. Yeah. Um, back in that game. That's right. Um, and then do you prefer working alone or with a team? You get to exercise both. With I your do. Businesses. I would say half of the week I have people there and half the week it's just myself. And I actually love that. Yeah. Because sometimes you're like, stop asking me questions. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. need to I need focus some on this. space. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the hardest question. Uh-oh. We'll see if you do. Do you prefer Thai or Mexican food? <gasps> Indian. <laughs> You're a really bad listener. I'm sorry. I said Thai or Mexican. You know what? Nobody has given us a third option. Uh-oh. I'm going to let that go because I think that's our audience getting to know Ryan a little bit. Um, I like Indian too. Um, and then our podcast is called Liberty Sessions, mm-hmm. our platform website. Um, everything's called Liberty. And the intention is libertyforher.com if you're looking for our URL, by the way. But um, the intention is that we really believe that we can liberate women Mm -hmm. through entrepreneurship, that they can sort of figure out who they were meant to be and a way to exercise themselves, their their creative selves, their financial freedom selves, their um, pursuing a passion selves. Um, what does it mean for you to be liberated? Well, just as, as a mother, I've been able to have kind of the lifestyle day to day that I want. So that's been, uh, great. I think even if, if you don't have kids, just being able to decide the kind of work mm-hmm. lifestyle that you want, um, is liberating, mm-hmm. you know? I also think that, I mean, this kind of ties into what's going on with sexual harassment and all yeah. these things in the workforce. You know, I think we've had enough. Yeah. And I think we're just going to make our own rules. Yeah. You know? And I actually think that, well, I don't think, I know, because one of, I can get really soapboxy. And again, we'll save that for another podcast. But I really (laughs) believed that the conversation wasn't being had around what entrepreneurship offers women in terms of um, equality in mm-hmm. terms of what it means to be a feminist and to truly have choices. The choices are not just glass ceiling right. or stay at home. The cho- choices are not full time or no. part time. There's so much more, and, and so you I, can make the decisions. Yeah, and I and I hope that through these conversations and through other platforms within Liberty that we can and outside of Liberty that we can yeah. expand that that Definitely. conversation. Ryan Larson, always a pleasure. <gasps> Loved so seeing great. you. And Me I wish too. you guys could see her awesome glasses. She's wearing <laughs> the best glasses. Um, and I can't wait to have you back. And Liberty listeners, um, you can check out all things Ryan Larson and Tin Parade. We'll have everything up in the show notes. So come back to libertyforher.com. Check out the podcast and you'll see her right there. And um, until then, I guess until one week from now, we'll see you guys later. Bye.
Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty For Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower. likely the case that if you're listening to this podcast, you've either launched or want to launch a venture. And whether you're in growth mode or just getting started, it can be a lonely endeavor. Trust us, we know. Which is exactly why we connected with Entrepreneista. We wanted our community of podcast listeners to have access to the tools, the resources, and other female founders to connect with. So there's no reason to do this thing alone. In fact, we dare you not to. A few of the perks from Entrepreneurista include building your reputation. You'll get featured on their website, growing your business through office hours with their founders, Stephanie and Courtney, introductions to other investors, uh, exclusive discounts, connecting with the right people in the community, people who can really advance the work that you're doing and people that you can help along the way. Get invited to all sorts of conferences, events, And you can write this whole thing off as a business expense. That's the best part. Well, that's one of the best parts. To make the dare a little easier, head to www.entrepreneurista.com backslash liberty and use the code liberty25 for $25 off their membership fee. And for the record, I just became a paying member myself. So I'll see you over there.